me bring you up to speed as to what it is we've covered in this series called Centering on Ministry. The reason we're taking this time for a series of that title and have a graphic that looks like that is because we are preparing to move into a building that God allowed us to purchase back in May. And we call that building our ministry center. It's our church building, but we prefer to call it our ministry center so as not to confuse brick and mortar with the church. And so the play on words, centering on ministry as we prepare in the run-up to move into that building, hopefully later this year, uh, there are a number of things for us to be aware of, to have our game face on, as it were, as a church, so that we can be most effective in using this tool that God has provided for us. And so that is, at the top, a rendering from our architect of the foyer and the interior And then that exterior is an addition that we hope to put on to the front if we are given a grant from a foundation to whom we have applied for a grant. We'll know that either September next month or uh, at the latest December. So at the latest by the end of this year, we'll know if we're going to be able to put that extension on right away. Either way, we're moving into the building and making renovations to it. But be in prayer about that grant. That would be a great help to us. So as we prepare to move into our ministry center later this year, we are taking a number of weeks to center on ministry. And in doing that, as we started five weeks ago, we looked at the centrality of the church and what the Bible says about the local assembly, churches like ours, and its central role in the carrying out of the mission that God has given to his people. We looked at the centrality of the church, but then we looked at the beauty of the church. And the church, despite some of our experience, despite what many people think about the church, God thinks very highly of it. It's his idea. And the church is actually a very beautiful thing because of whose it is. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. It's my church, he says. And Ephesians 5, 23 says that Christ is the head of the church. And so it's beautiful because of whose it is and therefore who it is that we are attached to as members of the church. But it's also beautiful because of who comprises the church. The Bible teaches that the church is the called out ones, called out from the world and to God to bring glory to God and to carry out His purposes in His world. So we are a redeemed people that comprise the church, but not just a redeemed people, but redeemed people from all walks of life different ages, different backgrounds, all melded into one man, as it were, unified under one Lord, one faith, one baptism, carrying out one mission. So it's beautiful because of whose it is and who comprises it, and the church is comprised of redeemed people, but not just redeemed people, gifted people. Every person in the church, God says, has been uniquely wired by God, gifted by Him to play a vital role in his church and the mission assigned to the church. And we saw after looking at the centrality of the church and then the beauty of the church, we took a couple of weeks to look at the mission of the church. And the theme verse for our church in the now over 10 years of our existence has been from day one, Colossians 1.28. We proclaim him, teaching and admonishing everyone with all wisdom, so that we might present everyone mature or perfect in Christ. So that's what we exist to do as a church. Take everybody where they are and get them where they need to be. And where they need to be, all of us need to be moving toward Christ-likeness. 
And so our mission is to move people to maturity in Christ, bring them to salvation in Christ, and then move them to maturity in Christ. And so we've been showing you a graphic these uh, last few weeks called Moving to Maturity. And we're using this illustration of life, the Christian walk as a Christian ride, as a highway. And everybody enters that highway at different points. And for our church to be effective in taking people from where they are to where they need to go, there are a number of things for us to do and put in place. And over the last few weeks, I talked about those. There are a ton of things for us to add to what we're doing and for you to use your gifts and abilities to be involved in doing it. I'm not going to repeat all of that. It's a couple of weeks' worth, but all of our messages are online. So if you weren't able to be here, I encourage you to go and and listen uh, to that. And then last week, we began to look at just practical preparations for moving into the building looking at the centrality of the church, the beauty of the church, the mission for a couple of weeks, but now just nitty-gritty preparing for our move into the ministry center. And as we do that, we need, we need to do a few things as we prepare ourselves practically to move into the building. We need to avoid well-known pitfalls for relocation. You say pitfalls for relocation. Are there really such things? Yep. Churches, it's amazing that churches will acquire a building, maybe construct a new building, acquire an existing facility like we have, and then six months, a year, two years into it, the church has problems. It's, I've seen it happen over and over again. It happened at our parent church. We moved into a brand new facility that the Lord allowed us to construct. And within two years of moving into that facility, we lost 40% of our people. You say, well, thanks for cheering us up. Can't wait to get in that building. You're all identifying the people you want to get rid of already. We've already got the seeds of problems. So I'm telling you, it happens. I've, I've read about it. I've seen it. I've experienced it personally. And so it's incumbent upon us, it's wise for us to prepare ourselves to avoid well-known pitfalls when a church relocates. We also want to seize the occasion to refocus ourselves. Seize the occasion of this move to refocus ourselves on healthy practices. And I started to point out last week that you can just, I can just start going through the motions and fail to step back and think about why we do what we do and why we do it the way that we do. We should seize this opportunity to refocus on healthy ministry practices and to prepare ourselves to use this expanded facility to expand ministry opportunities. So we started to to look at that. And in order for us to prepare, get our game face on so that we can take most advantage of this move, so that we can minimize dissension that can result in disunity, when you move into the building, and so that we can refocus ourselves on healthy practices. Uh, I pointed out that we need to recapture an outward perspective. Recapture an outward perspective. So those of you that were here last week, you heard me talk about that. That it's necessary for us to, to recapture looking outside of ourselves and putting ourselves in the shoes of the person that we're trying to reach and minister to. 
And if you don't consciously, intentionally do that, then you will fall into an inward mindset. And churches inevitably do that. And unless they step aside, take some time to, to, to think about what they're doing and to intentionally and consciously think about who it is they're trying to reach and how we appear to those people and whether or not we're most effectively ministering to those, those people, then, uh, then we will convey this inward, this inward mindset. And so that means, recapturing this outward perspective, means correcting unhealthy practices that inevitably develop over time for all organizations, including the church. So I pointed out last week, we have cafe community, and we're going to continue to have that. And the graphic I showed you a bit ago shows the foyer area where that's all going to happen and people will hang out like we do here. But we don't just do that to provide bagels and coffee. But we actually do that for a ministry purpose, for us to meet and greet one another, encourage and be encouraged, but especially for us to greet and encourage those we don't know. And so one of the unhealthy practices that develops over time is you and I talk to the same people. Or perhaps we sit with the same people. And so at the ministry center, we're going to not set up as many tables as the school sets up over here. We'll set up some for those who can't stand for, you know, 20 minutes or so, and there are people in that situation. So we want to provide tables, sitting space for that. But primarily, we want people to, to stand up and mingle with your cup of coffee and with your bagel and get to people that, that we don't, don't know. So that's one of the unhealthy practices is that gravitating toward only the people that you know, the people who are familiar, and thereby we miss one of the major objectives for putting this into the very warp, the very structure of our, our church each Sunday. Uh, here's you know, another one. It's easy to, to just fly into whatever ministry you're involved in and get there perhaps just before that ministry is supposed to start rather than well ahead of time and being ready to receive somebody who's brand new into your area of, of ministry. Now, if you get there a minute before your ministry takes place, whether it's in the nursery, or the toddlers, or children's church, or ushering, greeting, welcoming, parking lot, valet guys, whatever it is, if you get there just a few minutes before that starts, I'm okay. I know my way around. It's not going to bother me. It's not going to bother many of you. The person it's going to adversely affect is the very person we're trying to reach. Am I right? That's the person who doesn't know his or her way around. And that's the person for whom it's absolutely necessary for us to, as I say, get our game face on and make sure that we don't fall into the trap of just going through the motions and letting good enough be good enough. Another thing that you fall into. We've fallen into this to some extent. We've corrected it for the most part but I just point it out because we don't want to fall into it again. But it's easy to just strike up conversations with your friends in cafe community and then say, you know, let's continue our conversation out in the hallway. It's just Brown blathering on again. Now, sometimes there's some special thing that goes on and real ministry takes place like that, and that's a great thing. So we're not hounding people. We're not looking over your shoulder to see if you're out in the hallway or any of that. But it's very easy for that to become a way of life for us. And to not only hang out in the hallway after Cafe Community is over while we're, having, while we're having classes, but to be doing that even as people are coming in in the morning, 
talking to all your friends at the front door. Now think about that. Talking to all your friends at the front door about the tigers yesterday or whatever it was. And who's trying to come through that front door? Well, all sorts of people, but hopefully and, and expectantly, the people that we're trying to reach. They're trying to come through that door. And they see us gathered in huddles talking about our stuff rather than ready to receive them and make a clear pathway, literally a clear pathway, for them to get where they need to go. So recapturing an outward perspective is something we need to do if we, as we prepare to move into our building. And, and getting our game face on means having a renewed emphasis on excellence. You know, regaining our outward perspective, but having a renewed emphasis on excellence and doing what we do the best we can. And sweating the small stuff. So in your ministry, whatever it is, sweat the small stuff. Every week, look at it and say, I want to improve next week what we didn't do right this week. And the more you sweat the small stuff, the better your ministry will, will function, the more effective it will be. Uh, organizations, including churches, that, that give attention to that kind of detail are successful in the proper sense. They're able to accomplish their mission uh, because they care about what they're doing and they care about how what they're doing is portrayed to those that they're doing it, they're doing it for. And so we need to prepare ourselves mentally, get our game face on, recapturing that outward perspective and regaining an emphasis on, on excellence. Now, we want to prepare ourselves as well, not just with that mindset mentally, but also now spiritually. Prepare ourselves spiritually for this move. And if you'll turn to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians 2 in your Bible. Let's think about preparing ourselves spiritually. <clears throat> Verse 1 of Philippians 2 says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Now, all of those ifs could be since all of that's true. I mean, since you have all that stuff, since, in fact, you have encouragement from being united with Christ, and since you have comfort from His love and fellowship with the Spirit and tenderness and compassion, since all of that is true, then this is what should happen. Now, we're going to look at the then in a second, but before we do, ask yourself if the things outlined in verse 1 are true for you. Are those things true for you? If, you? if you belong to Christ, they're all true for you. Encouragement from being united with Christ. Comfort from His love. Fellowship with His Spirit. Tenderness and compassion. All true of all of us who are owned by Christ. If that's the case, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit, 
and purpose. Now, if you're going to do that, if you're going to be of the same mind, if you're going to have the same purpose, then you're going to have to eliminate obstacles to that in our relationships. And verse 3 begins to tell us what we need to eliminate for that to happen. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So verse 1, if you're a Christian, then this is the way you should interact with other Christians. And you should be of the, of the same mind, same love, like-minded, same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And if that's going to happen, it means doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but preferring others over ourselves. And if we are going to avoid the dissension that can come from relocation, we're going to have to prepare ourselves spiritually in this way. You say, well, you know, where have you ever seen that happen? Where have you seen anyone who preferred others over himself as a model for me in my relationships with those in our church as we prepare to relocate? Well, we often quote, sing, preach from Philippians 2 and verse 5, and we disconnect it from the verses that precede. Verse 5 says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So he's God, but he was willing to humble himself rather than hold on to the splendor of heaven and all the prerogatives of deity. Rather, his attitude, his mindset was putting others before himself, taking, making himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Your attitude in your, our relationships together should be the same as Christ Jesus. That's what it looks like to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's what it looks like to prefer others over ourselves. Now, how does that relate then to preparing spiritually to move into our ministry center? Well, I've got four points, practical points with regard to preparing ourselves spiritually. They all start with a D. As we prepare ourselves spiritually, we want to avoid disenchantment. I'll explain. And dissension. And distraction. And be prepared for discovery. So disenchantment and dissension and distraction and discovery. Now, what do I mean by all of those? We're going to prepare ourselves spiritually. That means preparing ourselves to be united of the same mind, of the same love, same purpose, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, in humility preferring others over ourselves, doing this because Christ is our, our supreme model. And if we do that, we can avoid the first of those Ds, disenchantment. Now, what, what do I mean? 
The truth is, I'm geeked about moving into our ministry center. You guys are too. And I don't know what visions you guys have about what this thing looks like when we move into it. But those that are members of our church who have been with us for the ride as we've been trying to make this a reality know that we don't have unlimited funds. We're going to use the funds we do have in the most effective way possible. But the truth is, it's not going to have every bell and whistle that I would like to have and that you would like to have. Our architects have done a good job of making it functionally uh, usable, aesthetically pleasing. All of that's going to be true, but there's still going to be stuff that I wish we had money to do that we're not able to do initially. And if you don't understand that before you move in and say to yourself, thank God that we have this place to minister. Thank God that we've been able to do with it what we have been able to do. Let's use it most effectively. Then you have set yourself up for potential disenchantment. So you go in and you say, why did we put that there? Who decorated this joint anyway? Now, this is one of the reasons that our decorating committee is not in the church. We could have set up a decorating committee and then six months into it, they would have been before a firing squad of people who have different opinions about the way it ought to be decorated. And so one of the reasons we hired the firm that we did out of Grand Rapids is because one of the services they provide as part of their architectural fee is an interior, not decorator, or excuse me, yeah, not decorator, designer. And I made the mistake of calling her a decorator once. And she duly corrected me. I am a licensed interior designer. And she is, and there's a difference, apparently. But she's shown us her handiwork, and she's very good. She's very good at it. Now, I think she's very good at it, which means nothing. If you've seen my aesthetic sense, it means absolutely nothing. But I think she's good at it, and we're paying her to do it. And if you don't like it when we get in there, she's in Grand Rapids. And that's why she's in Grand Rapids. And she will be secluded in Grand Rapids in the Witness Protection Program against angry Baptists who want to come after her. So we have got to have our, our game face on. We have got to prepare ourselves spiritually by preparing ourselves for the possible disenchantment that occurs because things aren't the way exactly the way you thought they would be or should be. Maybe they'll all be exactly the way you thought. I don't know. I hope so. But they may not. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is our purpose? What's most important? And do that now. Do that before we move in. So that when we do that, we will thank God rather than complain. Why did we put that there? Why did we include this? Why didn't we include that? You can hear all, we can all hear ourselves saying that, can't we? And so I'm saying to you, friends, let's be of the same mind. Let's remember our purpose. Let's remember what's most important. And thereby avoid the frequent disenchantment that occurs when folks move into a building. And that's one of the reasons you have the kind of problems you have a year or two into it. Here's the second one. We want to avoid just dissension, general dissension. Amongst ourselves, 
Now, here's how that happens. Here's how it happened at our parent church nearly 20 years ago. We moved in to that building in Flat Rock December 5 of 1993. I spent the better part of two years of my life overseeing that project. And I was thrilled when we moved in. Most of you, many of you have been in that building. It's a very nice building. We built it for 39, brand new, $39 a square foot from the ground up, which is almost miraculous. Nevertheless, you had people who didn't want us to build a building. They were the extreme minority. That's why it went forward. But they didn't want us to build a building at all. They wanted us to continue to meet. No kidding, we had a a building that was 3,000 square feet. And we had two services there, and we rented rooms at the old Flat Rock High School across Gibraltar Road for our Sunday school classes. But we had people who didn't want us to, to build this building. We built it as economically... Uh, as we as we could, but those who didn't want it stuck around, and then when we moved into it, their anger really came out. And over a year and a half, that dissension boiled to the surface. So that accounted for some of the people who left. They were opposed, angry, because the church did not do what they thought should be done. But then there's the other side of it. The overwhelming majority who are in favor are angry at the people who are vocally opposed. So we got anger on both sides. Now here's the good news for us. We voted 94% of the people who were at our meeting on April 15th to move into this building. We voted anonymously. I don't know who the 6% are, but I'm looking for you. No, I'm kidding. And none of you know who the 6% are, and we don't care. And so to the vast, vast majority of us who are in favor of what God is allowing us to do here, I say we don't care that there are some who have a different view. That's why we have the meetings. That's why we have the discussions. That's why we have the vote. And to those who were opposed and perhaps still are opposed. I don't know. I haven't heard that, but perhaps so. If that's the case, you need to do what God says as well. Be of the same mind. Now that issue is over. That train has left the station and Elvis is moving into the building, all right? So that's going to happen and now we all need to accommodate ourselves to that. Now, those of you who aren't familiar with our congregation, if you're saying, wow, has there been, you know, has there been opposition? No. If there has been, I don't know about it. This is all preventive maintenance on my part to keep that from happening. So potential for disenchantment or for dissension or for uh, distraction. We need to prepare ourselves spiritually so that we are not distracted when we move into our building. One of the things that can happen is the building becomes the tail wagging the dog of ministry. And friends, that building is just a tool to advance God's work. That's it. It is not the tail wagging the dog. Your objective in life and my objective in life as we move into that building is not to as soon as we can make this thing as comfortable as we can for us. 
That's not our objective. Now, I want it to be as comfortable as possible. We're putting air conditioning in there. What if, what if we just put chairs like this in there? Oh, look, look. Oh, the firing squad. I heard, I heard. All right, we're going to have, we're going to have upholstered, cushioned chairs. Okay? We are. Recliners. Now, we're laughing, but, you know, the truth is you can always say you could have something else. You could always have more. We're going to make it reasonably comfortable. But once we do that, before we move in, you need to determine and I need to determine that that building will not ever become the tail that wags the dog of ministry. And we will never make it our objective in life to make more amenities and creature comforts for us. We want this building to be used by God as a center for ministry. And as long as it has what we need to do that effectively, then we'll thank God for for that. You can become distracted by the building by letting it become the tail that wags the dog. And that means a second thing that adds to this distraction, and that is you can now make this a behemoth budget-wise. We have been very careful about the way that we have put our budget together for this building to make it something that's eminently affordable for us as a congregation to do. We want to use God's money wisely. But if we go and say it's our objective to add more stuff to this, to make this more comfortable for us, then that can become a budget problem for us as well and thus a distraction for ministry. I know of a ministry right now that many of you are familiar with. They built a beautiful building 15 years ago. But they couldn't afford it. And for the 15 years since they have been in that building, the payment on that building, they built more building than they could afford, the payment on that building has been an albatross around the neck of that church. So we are not going to allow this building to become any sort of a distraction for us, but we need to determine that before we go. And then lastly, be ready for discovery when we get into the building. Discovery. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what's going to happen is we're just going to discover stuff that is going to be different for us. I'll describe some. And we're going to discover things about some of us that will be exposed, will be manifest because we're in a different situation. I'll explain that as well. So we'll discover things about ourselves because of the different setup. And here's what I mean. When we dismiss in 10 minutes, I am going to exit that hole in the wall. I will cut you off at the pass and be out in the hallway before you leave. So every Sunday, I'm out there at noon along with my beautiful wife, and we try to say hello, greet everybody as they leave. We enjoy doing that. That's something that we'll try to do at our ministry center. But here's the thing. You pretty much got one way to escape here. Your car's right there. I know where you're going. I can head you off the pass. The ministry center has doors all over the place. And 
the truth of the matter is, some of you go through the gauntlet to shake my hand just because I'm there and you have to to get out to the car. I know that. So you do me the favor of smiling. You do what one pastor called the glorification of the worm ceremony. Man, that was a great sermon. You're lying, but that was a the glorification of the worm. And then we and then we leave. At the ministry center, I may not be able to do that unless you will come to the door I'm at. And so that'll be different. But more, perhaps more important, there are different not only exits, but then obviously different entrances. We've got to have a main entrance, but there are other entrances as well. And depending on which one or ones you take or your friends and acquaintances take that you're used to seeing every week when you come to church, you may not cross their paths automatically. So when you come in here, you've got that long hallway. You're going to see your people pretty much. You know where you're going to see them. You can hug them. You can shake their hand. You can do all of that. And then you go into this new building. It's got all these different places. And you didn't give the memo to your friends. You're not coming through the same one. And you do that week after week. And you're going home in the afternoon. And you're saying to yourself, you know, I like the building, but there's just something different about church. It just doesn't feel the same. And part of that is just the practical, structural issue of you not automatically crossing paths with the people that you automatically cross paths with, with the layout of this building that you're used to. Add to that, that there are going to be more people. There are going to be more people. There are going to be a good bit more people, especially if we add the double the size of the auditorium. We want that, right? Right? But see, it's easy to go, "Eh, I'm not so sure. Pretty comfortable with the group I got. Why would I want these other people coming here messing things up? So there are different entrances, different exits, and more bodies to get through for you to get to the people that you're used to getting to. And you will discover some things about yourself through that. And I'm telling you that ahead of time, get your mindset and, and spiritually prepare yourself so that you can prioritize what's most important about having this ministry center and make other arrangements to make sure you can encourage and be encouraged by those people that you particularly want or need to see. Here's another thing that you'll discover. And that is um, the the new place is going to require some new new things for us to do. And some of you will reveal things about yourself that we didn't know until we got there. Like... See, we're in this building, and we have almost no signage. We rent the thing. So Jim Pantelli brings that portable thing with the canvas that he unrolls, and we've got a couple of those out in the hallway, and they're really nice, and we appreciate Jim doing that every week faithfully. So he does that. So we got that signage. But we don't have stuff on the walls. We don't have any of that, right? We do our thing. We, we set it up. We, we have church, and then we pack it up, and, and we get out of here. But there you're going to have stuff stationary. And not only stuff stationary, it's our stuff. Every inch of this now belongs to us. We're paying for this. We care about this more than we cared about Woodhaven High School. So, 
some of you are going to find that you have a sign fetish. That there cannot be enough signs in the building. Do not bring drinks into this room. Do not rollerblade in the parking lot. Do not, and, and go on and on. Thelma, have you made that sign already to not rollerblade in the parking lot? <laughs> now, you could, this can just multiply over and over again. And, and I have been in church buildings where you go in and there are signs for everything you can't do. Now, I'm just telling you all, we want our ministry center to be a welcoming place. You know, if, if we need a sign that says, do not bring an AK-47 in or, or something like that, we'll, we'll do that. But outside of something like that, we'll deal with minor inconveniences for the sake of making this a welcoming place and not having prohibitions posted all over the place. And if you're not careful before you go in, you will discover about yourself that you now have opportunity to prohibit everything that anybody might do before they do it. So I'm saying to us, friends, let's prepare ourselves spiritually. Think about our purpose. Be of one mind. Prefer others, and in particular, prefer others we haven't met yet over ourselves. And avoid the potential for disenchantment and dissension and distraction and discovering ugly things about ourselves when we move in. Let's ask the Lord's blessing as we depart, okay? Father, we thank you for the blessings of this day. We thank you for the preaching of your word and the reminder uh, that we, that I, we must take sin seriously in our lives. We thank you that Jesus has covered all of our sins so that we can face it because he's covered it. And Lord, we thank you as well for the preparations we're able to make prior to moving into our ministry center. And help us, Lord, to see this as a valuable time for us to avoid common pitfalls that occur when a church is blessed with a building. Lord, our capacity to do foolish things and to, and to sin and to harm ourselves, each other, and more important, your name and your work. Our, our, our ability to do that is limitless. And so, Lord, we need your protection. We need your wisdom. We ask that you would continue to help things to go smoothly uh, as we renovate the building and look to move in uh, later this year. Go with us this week as we serve you. We ask you to grant us safety and return together next Lord's Day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.